Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. you guys to another episode of all the hard things i am super excited to bring a guest here with you today from my community she is now 18 years old and finally starting exposure and response prevention and just hearing her story over email i was really touched by it i was really inspired and i'm i'm sure that she will impact those of you who are listening especially those of you who might be a little bit younger too because i know sometimes i have some like older adults on here and some parents on here Figured we would get someone who was maybe a little bit younger for people around that age, especially just being so young. It can be really hard to talk about your feelings. It can be hard to feel like you're being taken seriously. So I really wanted to have somebody on here to shed light on all of that. So thank you so much for being here. I Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. I originally, I've been anxious my entire life. I remember the first time anybody ever pointed it out, maybe that was outside of my family, was my fifth grade teacher. She had called me a worry wart because I was so nervous that about my grades, I would be so anxious about tests. I would get to the point where I would cry afterwards if I didn't think I did well. So it, from a very young age, I realized like my anxiety was going to affect me in certain ways. I, it really didn't start really affecting me until I was maybe in sixth grade. And I think that was when I got like my first harm intrusive thought. And it was regarding my niece. Unfortunately, she was maybe two years old at the time. We were all living together in the same house, my sister, her daughter, stuff like that. And I had this thought of maybe you're going to harm your niece. Maybe you need to stay away from her. And obviously, as I think maybe what, an 11 year old, I was extremely distressed by this because this is it's my niece. I love her so much. We were growing up together. We've been growing up together. So to have this thought in my mind, it was like, I don't know, it triggered something. I couldn't get over it. I've had thoughts before, weird thoughts. A lot of people, they have weird intrusive thoughts every day. Everybody does. But I think for me, because it was about somebody that I had loved the most, it really got to me. So I just let it stew for a really long time. And then it got worse. I kept thinking even more thoughts, like vivid, like images of me hurting her. And the rest of my family came to play as well. You might hurt your mom next, your dad, everybody. So that was really painful to go through by myself. So one day I had told my mom struggles with anxiety as well. She's been so helpful for me for so long regarding anxiety because she always says there's nothing that you can tell me that's going to freak me out I've probably thought it before stuff like that and I told her and she was really really sweet about it she told me that she's going to take me to the doctors so I went to my primary care provider and she had mentioned intrusive thoughts and she's that's all they are stuff like that I had already heard about intrusive thoughts before this because I 
of course, as soon as I got this thought, I started to Google. And that's, it's like the worst thing that you could do to Google because it's going to tell you crazy stuff. But I actually came across a article that was like, have you ever wanted to, you ever gotten the thought of shoving your head down someone's shirt and stuff like that? And I immediately saw that and I clicked off. I was like, oh no, I can't read that. It freaked me out. So I went to my doctor. She told me about that and I felt better for maybe five minutes. And then I started to overthink that. I was like, maybe these aren't intrusive thoughts. Maybe these actually mean something about me, about my character, typical anxiety, OCD things, what it does. That's really what it does. So it subsided a little bit. I was fine. I was managing it. It wasn't bothering me as much after she had talked to me. And then I think I was 15 and I got these thoughts again, like really heavily. They were really bothering me. And I went back to the same doctor because it was getting to the point I couldn't eat. I was losing weight because I, I have this big pit in the bottom of my stomach. I was so anxious all of the time. I didn't want to say anything out loud. I felt like I was just going to be judged. So I just held that in for a really long time. And I ended up going back to my doctor and she figured that I had OCD once I started talking about it a little more, she was so supportive. It was like, she told me, she's, I've seen you grow up. I've seen you become the person that you're becoming and you're amazing and all of these things. And of course, it made me feel good to actually hear about OCD and realize that's pretty much what was going on with me. So that was really helpful. And then I started questioning whether or not I even had it. I, it was really hard because I hear that I have it, but then like in my mind, I'm like, what if you're faking it? Maybe this is actually something that needs to be addressed, something that actually you could do to your family. And it was really scary and really sad. And I was in a really dark place for a very long time. So yeah, that was, that was the short story of the beginning of my struggle with OCD and anxiety. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that your mom was super supportive and that you felt like she would be open to you having these discussions with her, right? Mm -hmm. You said this wasn't just necessarily your fear of germs. This wasn't necessarily a fear of needing to have things be perfect and no. well, those presentations can definitely happen and they can certainly be very debilitating. There is this more taboo nature with the types of thoughts that you're talking about of harm yeah. and so on and so forth. And so I can only imagine how scary that must have been for you at that age to even say that to your mom. That must have been scary. But at the same time, I'm so glad that she was open and she had made herself known. You can talk to me about anything. And so I'm so happy with that. And then also with your doctor. That's really amazing that you were able to feel that comfortable sharing this stuff and that they were also supportive of you too, because it doesn't always end up that way. No, it can be so I had originally gone to a different doctor before I saw this one again. She was out of town, so I had to go see somebody else. And this doctor had told me, maybe you need to stay away from your niece. Maybe this isn't good for you to be around her if you're having these types of thoughts. And it sent me into a full-blown anxiety attack right after, the, right after I saw her because I was like, oh my goodness, she's actually, this is a doctor. She knows what she's talking about. She's telling me I need to stay away. So when I saw my other doctor afterwards, it was so relieving 
because you can have really bad experiences with doctors and they can tell you these crazy, like, maybe they, maybe she wasn't really familiar with OCD and that's fine, whatever. But to have a doctor that actually was helpful and willing to hear me out and stuff like that was a blessing, truly. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so glad. And yeah, that must have been horrible to have that doctor tell that to you. Just the shame and the confusion that you must have felt. But it also seems like your OCD was playing its classic moves on you too. Doubting whether you had OCD, doubting, oh my gosh, what if you are actually a bad person? What if you are actually a harm or like a threat to these people? And now, mm -hmm. you know, like you don't actually have OCD. So talk to us about that whole process. Like whatever came of that once you actually started to doubt your OCD, which is very common. Um, I think the biggest question that I had was whether or not I was a bad person. I think a lot of people have that as well. You start questioning your own character. It was really challenging. And then it sends you into kind of a spiral. Okay, think about everything that you've ever done that you think is bad and use that against yourself to prove that you're actually this horrible person. And that does nothing for you, obviously. That just made it completely so much worse but I think that was sent like a mental compulsion that I was starting to do was review everything that I've ever done go over it over and over again until I found something that made me feel like a bad person and that was I don't struggle really with like physical compulsions I mostly struggle with like rumination and avoiding things stuff like that I think that was probably the start of it of those mental compulsions that I think a lot of people don't talk about originally. Like when I, when you think of OCD, yeah, you think of the germs, you think of contamination, washing your hands over and over again, counting, stuff like that. I never had any of that. So that was another reason that I started to question myself because I didn't have those physical symptoms. It was just mental. Yeah. And that is so common for people who have OCD and anxiety. And I think it's one of the major reasons why it gets so misdiagnosed, why so many therapists, they misdiagnose it and they send them off into another type of treatment, like talk therapy or something like that, because they miss those mental compulsions. And you mentioned a really unique angle. So I think a lot of people who struggle with those harm thoughts and those taboo thoughts, right, it might be a very common compulsion for them to try to like argue their way out of the thoughts almost, right, to convince themselves of why they're a good person. And that might have happened for you for sure. I think you can mm -hmm. definitely do both. But it's like you almost tried to just accept the worst case scenario, right? Like you yeah. almost tried to just accept the fact that you are a bad person. And I think people miss that sometimes as a compulsion and that, oh, if I'm not trying to convince myself that I didn't do those things, then somehow it's not a compulsion. It's No, I've worked with people who have called the cops on themselves for things that they've yeah. done before. I've worked with people who had harm OCD or hit and run OCD, and they've called the cops on themselves for crimes they didn't commit because it was just too much for them to walk around life feeling like a bad person and yeah. not having to pay for that somehow. It's almost like it's harder to sit with that gray area and to sit with that uncertainty that I don't know if I did something bad. I don't know if I'm a good person or not. That's a really scary place to be. So scary, in fact, that sometimes people go the other way instead of trying to convince themselves that they didn't do something or that they're about a good person they almost try to just accept the worst case scenario because sometimes as scary as that is it's easier than sitting with the uncertainty yep 
Exactly. That was so challenging for me because I think deep down, I felt like it was the only thing that made sense, right? It was, this can't just be a mental thing. This can't just be my brain misfiring like these crazy false alarms. It can't be like that. It's got to be what made sense to me, which was that I'm actually a horrible person. And if I can prove that, then maybe I can do something about it. I had nothing to prove. It was all in my head. But of course, I was so young. And I learned now that at talking with my therapist at NoCD, that when you're, I guess you're like OCD brain kind of takes over, it makes up for all of the other parts of your brain that are not functioning properly. You're your, what is it? Can't think of the word. Basically, oh, you're like your rational side of your brain. But like you've said before, I listen to your podcast, I watch your content and a lot of other people's as well. Your OCD doesn't care about being rational ever. It doesn't think about that. It doesn't want to accept the uncertainty of anything when in, in reality, we have no certainty over anything. Nobody does. And It was just hard for me to accept that. I had to prove that I was not good. And there's almost like this moral component too. What's worse than having done something bad than having done something bad and not paying for it? This moral component of, okay, if I did something bad, then I have to pay for it. I have to like not necessarily pay a sin, like that's more religious, but you have Mm -hmm. to pay for it. And you have to make sure everybody knows that you are a bad person and just, yeah, like not go throughout your life knowing that you did something bad, but then not reaping what you've sowed. You mentioned false memory OCD. I know that's something that a lot of people really struggle with. And yeah, you had mentioned, right? Like our brains can be tricky. Our brains do whatever it can. Our brains do whatever they can to keep us alive. They take shortcuts all of the time to try to make sense of and constantly process all of the information that we have going on Mm -hmm. around us. And those shortcuts They work for us in a lot of ways, but in other ways they don't. That's where we get like the fallibility of our memory. It's not actually as reliable as we think. Every time that we go back into our memory and we try to remember something and we try to just remember what happened or did I touch that person or did I run that person over? It should make total sense that we would get more information about that memory, but it ends up just being more and more confusing and we get more and more doubtful. It's like taking a photocopy of a photocopy. So if you could talk to us about your false memories and your process of overcoming those or how you're starting to overcome those, because I know that false memory OCD is like a really big, difficult piece for people who have OCD. Okay. I got with my boyfriend, Eddie. I got with him when I was 16 years old. So this was, I'm about to be 19. So this was almost three years ago and everything was going so amazing. Like I had finally found somebody that I felt really understood me. He felt safe to me. He was like my safe space. It was maybe, I'm not sure how far into the relationship it was, maybe like a few months, but I started to question whether or not this was, I think this was more like relationship OCD at this point, but worrying whether or not he was the right person for me. Does he actually love me? Do I actually love him? A lot of common obsessions that people go through while they're struggling, like, especially in a new relationship, stuff like that. So that was bothering me a lot towards the beginning of our relationship. And then I found this TikTok and it talked, I know you find like crazy stuff on TikTok, but she was talking about relationship OCD. And he actually, 
I saw it, but I never sent it to him. It was basically explaining everything that I had felt. And I had told him about this and I cried. I felt so bad. And he was so understanding. Like he was so sweet to me. He always is with anything, with any like problem I have. So he ended up sending me that TikTok that I had already seen. He's, is this what you're, is this what you were trying to say? And I was like, yes, exactly. He's, oh my gosh, he was being so supportive. So that kind of dissipated and whatnot. And then this year I started college. I started nursing school and I had this thought of, okay, so I mean, everybody, I drank before when I was like younger, I think I was 16 at the time. I know it's People don't want to talk about it, but I was 16. I was living my life. You make mistakes, stuff like that. And I was drinking at a party one night. And then I remembered that I completely forgot about it, whatever. And then I remembered that he wasn't there. He didn't end up going to that party. And I was with my friends and everything that whole night. And because I couldn't recall, because it was three years ago, I couldn't recall every single moment from that night, I immediately started injecting like these crazy, crazy thoughts of maybe you cheated on him because it was a new relationship. Maybe you didn't love him enough. All of these crazy things. Maybe you did something really horrible and really unloyal, unfaithful to your boyfriend and you just don't remember. And when I got these thoughts, I would, I completely spiraled. Like, it was so bad. It was hard for me to eat again. It was exactly back to when I was 15 years old and I had been doing so well throughout those three year, three or four years. And it was really scary. And I honestly, I still struggle with it today. Same obsession. And I am really trying to just sit with it and talk about your values. I'm chasing my values. I love my family, my boyfriend. I value honesty, loyalty, all of these things. So I'm going to keep going towards those and not really try to listen to this terrible thought in my head. So many people are probably resonating with that right now, especially with the drinking. Drinking can be a really huge trigger for people who have OCD and anxiety because of those moments where you're not 100% in control, right? Like it, it, OCD and anxiety is very much about being in control. These rituals are very much about you being in control, at least initially. And so when you are in the moment, whether that's having a drink or just whatever ends up happening, that can absolutely be like the perfect rabbit hole for OCD to creep down into. Totally understandable. I hear about that all the time, especially as it relates to relationships, right? Oh my gosh, did I cheat on him, so on and so forth. And what was your experience of continuing to go back and ritualize? It probably, if it's like anything else that anybody else with OCD and anxiety has experienced, you just got more and more confused. You just uncover more things that you're unsure about. Yeah, that's definitely what happened. <laughs> I just kept going back to that night, trying to remember things. And I even went back into my camera roll to try to see if I could find anything from that night. What can I find? that can prove that I did actually do this like I did when I was younger. Because like you said, it's like the opposite of what a lot of other people do. I'm trying to prove that I actually did something. And I even went as far as checking like older pictures of us together. We were only together at four, we were together four months at the time of when we got, or when I went to this party, it was four months. So I go back into my camera roll and check 
to see what kind of gestures was I making? Did I ever, and I even tried messages. Did I say I love you at the time? I know I did. I remember the first time I said I love you to him, but I was just trying to see if I loved him enough to not do something like that. And I know it's, you're, you've experienced it with probably a lot of people before. It sounds crazy, but that's what I was trying to do to alleviate some stress off of myself because of the guilt and the shame that I was feeling from this. It's a really lonely experience, especially because it's somebody that you love so much. He's amazing. And I didn't want to go on with the relationship if I could find this to be true. I didn't want to keep, I don't know, not paying for what I had done if I had did if I had done this. And I every time I went back, like you said, it got a little bit fuzzier because I'm questioning everything at this point. I'm questioning my entire relationship. What if my entire relationship after this point was just a lie because of what I possibly did? So it was very lonely for me. And it seems, I don't know other than what you've shared with me here, but it seems like the common thread that kind of links all of this together is this fearfulness that you are a bad person, right? Like this fearfulness that you are a bad person and moreover, that you are just bebopping around here in life and how ignorant of you to actually be thinking that you're an okay person when you're actually a bad person. There's something, again, almost like this moral piece of it. That's who are you to be out there living your life when you're actually a bad person? Like you need to pay for that. Definitely. It's such a sad, like you said, super lonely place to be. I would love to transition now into treatment and what that was like for you. So you had at some point gotten a diagnosis. At what point and what was your experience with treatment? What came after that? So originally before I had this like false memory episode, I think this was back in February of this year, I was seeing a talk therapist and talking to her about all of my problems, my anxieties, stuff like that. And I realized that really wasn't good. I was almost using her as like a reassurance, a a type of reassurance. And that's why when I started following like all of these posts on TikTok and especially Instagram, I learned that talk therapy is really not good for somebody that has OCD. And so I stopped doing that. And then I started learning about ERP. And I did not like the idea of ERP at all because It's scary sitting with this uncertainty in your life, although everybody does it. I guess I just didn't realize that is what everybody has to deal with. And it's not just me. There's not this, like you say, sorry, I'm like quoting you a lot, but there's this golden nugget of certainty. No, there's that doesn't exist. You're not going to get that. And even if you did have certainty, it wouldn't be good enough. You would still question whether or not this actually happened, whether or not you're a good person, if you cheated on your boyfriend, if you would harm your family, stuff like that. So I kind of reached my breaking point. This was maybe two weeks ago because I'm still struggling. I'm not going to lie. I feel like a lot of people only want to talk about their struggles when they've already overcome them. And that's why that was another reason I wanted to come on this podcast because I'm still struggling and I want people to know that it's okay. So I just started ERP, I think last Saturday, and we haven't done much treatment, much ERP work yet. She's basically just trying to get like some information for me. What are my fears? Stuff like that. What have they dealt with in the past? Past trauma, stuff like that. So I'm actually starting my first real like ERP session 
this coming Saturday, which I'm really nervous about, but I'm also really excited because ruminating and going over past mistakes, going over your memories over and over again, it's really exhausting and it's so lonely. You can't be present when you're actually, you're present, but your brain is not present. Your brain is busy doing everything that it can to convince you that you are not who you think you are, who you say you are. And it's tiring. Like my body is physically tired because it's trying to make up for everything that my brain is running on, stuff like that. Yeah. It's a journey so far. I really am so excited though, because it's, if it's going to help me, I know it's going to help me. Even if it's in little, it just helps me a little bit. Anything is something. So I'm really excited for that. I, I cannot wait to finally sit with it and learn that my therapist actually brought up today she brought up a pool analogy she asked me like what happens if you go into a pool like you don't want to go into a pool because it's cold you're going to avoid it stuff like that you're going to see like it's you don't want to go in there but if you dip your toes in if you get in little by little your body is going to it's going to adapt to the temperature of the pool you're going to realize it's not so bad it's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to worry about. And I really like that analogy that she used today because it really helped me picture myself recovering and sitting with uncertainty and living my life the way that I want to live and that I know that I can live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you have the perfect mindset. Like this is the mindset that I would want for my clients to have when they are just in the beginning of their journey. This is what I would want for anybody else out there who's listening. It's okay to be scared, but I would hope that you're also so sick of OCD and that's from you, which is I'm so sick of living my life this way that like almost anything else is better than that. That yes, these exposures might be challenging and they might not be ideal and I'm scared, but I'm also scared of continuing to live my life this way. That's not an option either. Ethan Smith, he's an IOCDF advocate. He's amazing. He said at a conference the other day, Uh, The one certainty in life is that if you continue ritualizing, you will get sicker and sicker. And I think that's so fat. It's so obvious, but it's also so real to say it that way because we do these compulsions to get certainty, right? Like in your situation, you're maybe wanting to be certain about, did you do something? Like, am I missing something? I need to make sure that I'm either am or am not a bad person. And what is the only certainty in life that actually does exist is that if we continue to do these rituals, we will stay sick. And what I'm hearing from you, Maria, is that's just not an option for you, like that that mm-hmm. you refuse to continue to live your life that way and to continue to go down that path because you're so right. Unless something changes, nothing's going to change. There has to come a time where you are no longer giving into those rituals and where you are reducing your avoidance and so on and so forth. And I'm just so hopeful for you because it seems like you are just in the right spot, that you have the right mindset and that you have so many things going for you. That is the exact mindset and the exact perspective that I would want someone to have when they're going into treatment. Thank you. I appreciate that. My my therapist actually, she said the same thing. She said, I have full faith in this. I have full faith in you because you're ready. And I really am. My Not just my brain, just my body in general. I'm ready to be present to be actually like enjoying life, enjoying the things that I used to enjoy before I got these intrusive thoughts. 
I'm really excited for what my future holds because I'm starting my second year of nursing school. I'm ready. Like I can imagine myself feeling good. And that's a good thing to have in my near future, hopefully. I love that. I want you to come back to this podcast in a couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of months and listen after you've made this transformation. It's going to be so, I want to have you back on. <laughs> I, I want to have you back on and we'll do like a pre and post. I think it'll be so special. Like I know what waits for you and I know what waits for anybody else who's in that scenario that you are like <clears throat> I get like down on myself sometimes sometimes in the first couple sessions or even on podcasts like I I feel am I a little bit too lighthearted this is a heavy topic I shouldn't be so lighthearted or laugh or smiley but it's I am only that way because I know what exists for you on the other side like I know what's possible I know how helpful ERP can be I know that life for you is totally possible and that you are more than capable of getting there and that it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter Absolutely. of time. As long as you stay consistent and you continue having faith in what your team is saying and what they're telling you, there's going to be moments where OCD pulls you back. OCD is a nasty salesman in that way. You're going to mm -hmm. start to do these exposures and then you're probably going to start to have those doubts again. Maybe your therapist missed something or how irresponsible would it be if you know, something bad actually did happen. And then, you know, you're just out here doing this exposure stuff. Like how irresponsible <laughs> is that? OCD is going to do whatever it can to bring you back in to make the sale and try to get your attention. And I just hope that you stay strong and you stay committed on that vision of your second year of nursing school and all the amazing things that you have going for you, because it can be so life-changing and it will be if you let it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say to other people who are out there? Like maybe they, I'm almost like wondering about the other people who are out there who have these scary thoughts, but they haven't told anybody yet. Right. What advice would you give to them? I think the hardest part is actually saying something. You can think it in your mind all day and you can deal with it by yourself alone and stay in this really dark place. But I promise that if you get this off of your shoulder, especially with a therapist that knows a lot about OCD, and can give you the correct treatment, I think you're going to go really far and you're going to feel so much better. And I'm young. I'm only about to be 19, but I've grown so much as a person, especially with my mental illness. It's hard, especially at a young age. You want to be taken seriously. You want to like, if, if I was looking at myself back then, I would want myself to know at 15 years old that it's okay. You're okay. Everything's going to be fine. Your recovery, everything like that, it's not linear. You're going to have your hiccups. And this is just another hiccup for me in my journey through battling or dealing with OCD, overcoming OCD. I want everybody to know that your brain is an organ just like your liver, anything, any other organ in your body that needs to be taken care of. I think a lot of people don't treat it that way. They think it's, it doesn't matter. It's your mental. It's, it's not as important as these other things. No, it's just as important. It's so important to take care of it, to make sure that you're acknowledging if you have these problems, go see help. Go seek out help. I know that it can be so scary. It's so challenging, but in the long run, it's going to be worth it. You're going to live the life that you want to actually live. I love that. that is the perfect end. This is <laughs> so impactful and so important and so 
touching for so many people who are out there. I just want to share this on my newsletter a bunch of times, share <laughs> on social media a bunch of times. This is amazing. And seriously, I do want you back for a post-treatment interview. I just really commend you for all the amazing work that you are doing and that you're about to do and that you've done. So, Maria, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story. And I wish you the best of luck on your journey. Seriously, I will be thinking of you on Saturday. <laughs> and all of you guys will you'll will have Maria back for sure. Is there any other last minute words of hope or words of wisdom that you would like to share with everybody? Or is there any way that if someone wants to, you know, stay up to date on your journey, I don't know if you want to share an Instagram or anything like that. If not, that's totally fine. Just leave us with some parting words would be really great too. I thank you for having me. It's, I was so nervous, but I'm so glad that I did it. I really hope that I was that person that somebody was listening to. And, oh, me too. That's, that would be such a good feeling. I just want to help people. I want to help people just as much as I want to help myself. Thank you. And you can, I don't really post about OCD or anything like that. It's more private to me on my Instagram, but you, anybody can follow me. My Instagram is Perez. my first and last name. You can find me there. But yeah, I would love to come back. That would be awesome. Hopefully I'll have some new stuff and new stuff to share with you. Can't wait. I cannot wait. Yes, (laughs) we will definitely have you back. Thank you again so much. Thank you. If what you're hearing sounds kind of a little bit too right up your alley and you haven't checked them out yet, I want you to go after this episode and check out my master classes. No more band-aids for OCD and anxiety. We are going to conquer this thing once and for all together. And yes, with or without a therapist. I have master classes available on my website that start at $27. I am here for you. You can go to my website right now, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com and click masterclasses. These are all based on evidence-based strategy that works and they are truly the perfect blend of education, motivation, and step-by-step strategies that you can use right away. So again, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses. Two crowd faves, just so you know, are the OCD and anxiety cycle and ERP basics. When you want to learn more about OCD and anxiety, this masterclass is the answer to finally understanding all of your confusing and paralyzing thoughts. By the end of these masterclasses, you are going to feel so much less alone and you'll be like, oh my God, finally someone gets it. So many people who have been in treatment for years took the OCD and anxiety cycle masterclass and told me that they still learned so much. Then we have the ERP basics masterclass. That's for when you're actually ready to take action with OCD and anxiety. And that is ultimately your best starting point. You're going to get all the information that you need to start implementing actionable steps right away. No longer is ERP going to seem like the paradoxical and totally freaking backwards intervention that you probably think it is. It will make so much sense. And by the end of it, you may just be a little bit excited to get started. So head to my website, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses to get started. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. 
You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.